HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash Japan. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, people of color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. Hello, welcome to Spanish. I'm your host, Katema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We normally broadcast live from our studio at Borders in Bushwick, Brooklyn, but our studio is currently closed due to the outbreak of COVID-19 uh, caused by coronavirus. So we are recording this episode remotely uh, from my apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> and Carl, uh, you are in where? Upper, Upper West Side near Columbia University. Okay, so this is Carl, uh, I guess today. <laughs> so first of all, so this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket. But what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guest today is Carl Palma, who is a chef and owner of Carl's Balls in New York City. He cooks authentic takoyaki, uh, which we're going to discuss uh, deeply today, at various pop-up, pop-up events, and takoyaki is one of the most classic Japanese comfort foods but it is yet to be discovered in the U.S. and most other countries outside of Japan. So today, we'll discuss what takoyaki is, what the simple uh, bite-sized balls are a piece of art, and Carl's philosophy of making great takoyaki, and much, much more. But uh, before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write to our review. We 
really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have any comments or requests for short topics or guests, please let us know. We can, you can email us at japaneeds at the heritage radio network.org or kikokatema.com. Now, let's start a conversation with Carl Palmer. Hello, Carl. Welcome. Hello, hello. Oh, my goodness. I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, so nervous. Really, yeah, well, you, you are good. You're good. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, so we had to postpone this show a couple of times because of COVID. So, yeah, finally we are here together. Well, um, and I also had a terrible computer. So I had a yeah. computer from the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a brand new good Now computer. I have a brand new computer. <laughs> right. Thank you. So, uh, so first of all, we have a lot to talk about. So where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Oh, where am I from? I'm from South Jersey. I was born in South Jersey, first in Mount Holly.、Um, and then I moved to Mount Laurel when I was about six or seven years old. What did I eat growing up? I was a hodgepodge of almost everything from Filipino to American.、Um, one of my favorite dishes was this my mom used to fry this white fish. It's called belt fish. I think in Japanese it's called、uh, tachio.、Mm, tachio.、Uh, Tachio, yeah. And、uh, that was one of my favorite things, just to eat fish and rice.、Uh, but growing up in South Jersey,、um, I was pretty much an American kid at heart. But I did notice that my mom's cooking, which was kind of this fusion esque Filipino cooking,、uh, every time we would bring our food to various parties and gatherings, <laughs>、mm. there was, a, there was a somewhat of an effect to the party. People would always ask, hey, what is that? What is that? Can I have the recipe? And,、uh, I didn't really realize how much of an influence my mom is on my cooking until、uh, recently.、Mm. Right. Well, the Filipino cuisine started to be slightly more known in New York City. And、uh, I think that's really one of the greatest comfort foods in the whole global、um, repertoire of foods. So, yeah, yeah that's like a, yeah. It's like a triple umami effect, the、uh, Filipino cooking. It's just <laughs> umami.、Right. <laughs> <laughs> All my Japanese friends love Filipino cooking. So. Right. So it's funny now you're making Japanese food. But,、uh, right. so,、um, and also, I heard you used to be a professional drummer. And、yeah. how, how did you get into like, drumming and, then, and also the food industry?、Uh, well, music, I was, I was kind of your stereotypical Asian child growing up. My, my parents put me in front of the piano when I was five. And I just remember every day playing piano, practicing piano until it really started. My heart started hitting a, a, a special note with music, which was probably around 13. And then、um, from piano, I studied trumpet around elementary school and then、uh, baritone horn slash、uh, euphonium into the sousaphone. And then I started drums when I was about 13. So it was always music was the, probably the only thing that really kept, kept me all together because I wasn't really a good student、uh, growing up. Uh, but music and arts, I was always very good with. And、uh, anything physical that I could touch,、uh, manipulate, things like that, I was, I was good at.、Mm. So, wow. as, far as, as far as the restaurant is,、um, when I was going to college for jazz, jazz school, I needed you know, a job to, to get some、uh, money in my pocket. So I started working in an Italian restaurant underneath a Sicilian family. And I think my natural knack for talking to customers and、uh, having that Filipino hospitality really worked well in that environment because I was always very friendly.、Um, I treated every customer like it was my best friend or my family. And,、uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that.、Uh, but yeah, when I moved into the city,、uh, I moved into the city in 2011. My 
initial goal was to play drums. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to say, since we met at an event, I feel like uh, you are a good friend of mine for years. <laughs> so we have something very special about that. Uh, well, I care sharing. about everybody. Yeah. yeah, I care about everybody. I think that's that's one of my things that I, uh, that's uh, my good and my bad trait is I, I care too much about people, probably more about more than my, than uh, myself, you know. Mm. So, but uh, right. I think it shows in my in my cooking. Yeah. Maybe you should be the next president of this country. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> so just to throw in another interesting fact, you're also a bodybuilder and weightlifter. So could you tell us about it? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And that, that kind of rubbed off into the stand too. Well, I was I was your stereotypical kind of chubby kid growing up, overweight, and um, not really that athletic, but I did have a lot of strength. I was always really strong. So, you know, when you grow up a little bit overweight, a little bit chubby, you're kind of picked on a bit. And then I just had it one day and I just decided just to start doing a ton of push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when a physical fitness day came around because the first time I was overweight and I was heavy, I, I could barely do like 14 push-ups. And I just started going push-up crazy. And then the next time it came around, I did about 130. <laughs> mm. I think it was part about building my confidence, building my mm. confidence. Because uh, I did have a little bit of a low, lower self-esteem growing up, and then um, I, I didn't notice that I had a natural knack for lifting heavy things. So uh, that was kind of my uh, getaway. Besides music, it was about you know weights, weights and drums. Right. At, uh, one time, and uh, that wow. kind of rubbed off into the business because my I, my motto for the business is the strongest name in takoyaki, and uh, I firmly believe that I put a lot of strength into the business and. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just part of the business. And and I always was, you know, admired. I always admired those cartoony figures growing up. You know, your Superman, your Batman, your Hulk Hogan's, and things like that. So, uh, you know, when you grow up and you're kind of chubby, you wanted to be something different. And uh, but uh, I think in the process, what strengthened the most was my heart. And uh, mm. I put that into my cooking. Yeah. Right. And you didn't know that your Superman effect uh, element was in you already <laughs> when you started push-ups. So. <laughs> That's amazing. I think, it's a, I think it's in everybody, you know. Yeah, well, everybody should, everybody should have some uh, discoveries like that. I have to think what I can discover uh, today. <laughs> uh, you're, a Kiko, you're, you're a Kiko from Iron Chef. I was so nervous when I heard I was going to be on this radio show. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just about, it's, a, it's an honor to be on here. On here. So, well, it's I'm such an honor. to have you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> So, and well, here's another thing. I heard you became Buddhist in uh, 2011, inspired by Japanese culture, and you even live and work at a Buddhist temple in Manhattan. So, what, how, how did it happen, <laughs> and uh, what part of Buddhism uh, resonates with you? Oh, uh, wow. Isn't that, isn't that crazy, right? It's kind of like a cartoon show, right? This guy lives in the Buddhist temple and cooks takoyaki on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I I discovered Eastern philosophy in uh, college, and uh, it was around at a time where you know people, people I guess, and uh, myself included, had some sort of a little bit of anxiety. So I started meditating, and uh, I I discovered that it really helped me with uh, insecurities and things like that, and uh, control my mind. So as far as Buddhism, yeah, I moved into New York City. I live in a Buddhist temple. I'm the caretaker and building manager of the oldest Buddhist temple in Manhattan. Uh, right near Columbia University. It's called New York Buddhist Church. 
uh, you're you're free to visit me if you want to, but after after COVID nineteen, <laughs> mm, right? Okay. <laughs> but um, what resonates with me the most? I think it's for for me initially was the control of the mind, uh, being being learning to be present in the moment. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning, everybody has their little anxieties. They get up, it's like, oh, what do I have to do today? When you reality, you just got up. <laughs> you just got mm. up in the room. So are we really in the moment of things like now I'm concentrating on you're on the other line and uh enjoying your time I'm enjoying the time with you and then other things like brushing your teeth in the morning being completely mindful that you're brushing your teeth and uh and I think also the the act of perception how we perceive things uh you know when we talk to people when we talk to people that are either angry or emotional how do we perceive that be able to uh think of being in the other person's shoes you know if somebody's angry at you and yelling are you thinking of it defensively and putting your wall up or are you putting your guard down to really think of what it feels like to be in that person's shoes you know right. how did their day go maybe they had a maybe they had a bad day you know we all had our bad days so right. those are those are things that that guide me through throughout the day and then oh. uh and then lastly, since I do live in a Jodo Shinshu temple, we practice gratitude. So waking up in the morning and having gratitude towards the people that are around you, towards the air that you breathe, uh, the life that you have, the food that you eat, uh, the animals that maybe you have in your house. I'm not, I'm not, I like cats, but I'm allergic to them. <laughs> <laughs> things like that, you know, you know, great having gratitude for everything. You know, those are the things I think of <clears throat> before I cook. The things I think of when I see the customer, uh, the things I think of after I'm done uh, my shift, yeah, mm. having gratitude for that day, yeah. Right. Wow, that's a lot. I everything good was packed in your answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I must say, I'm having gratitude towards this uh, small glass of shochu because it's making me less nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally need it right now. I would discuss what you. Well, you were working right now, but yeah. So, um, so let's talk about a little bit more about takoyaki. So, how did you become interested in takoyaki? Completely by accident. So, when I moved into the city, um, I was working in the temple, and I was looking for gigs. I was going out playing drums at various open bars, and things weren't really landing so well. So, I decided to fall back into working the restaurant biz. Uh, and then one of the ladies here, her name is Toyo, she passed away uh, 2015, but she had a uh, connection to um, the TIC restaurant group, Mr. Yagi, Mr. Bon Yagi, mm. uh, one of the most successful people I know and uh, right. amazing so he's person. He's the father of Japantown, they say in his village. And yeah, he came yeah. to the show too, it's an amazing person. Yeah, and he's affiliated with the temple here. And uh, I was able to land a part-time job working at Otafuku, right on 9th Street between 2nd and 3rd. Mm. And I... And I only knew okonomiyaki and uh, yakisoba. I didn't know takoyaki at all, which is kind of funny. And then I remember the first time I had it, I wasn't really big into it. Um, I was really confused about the taste and the textures and, the, and things like that. It wasn't until I started cooking part-time uh, with the staff there that I realized it had an effect on people. And we had, you know, it's New York City, so it had an effect of people, black, white, Asian, Latino, everybody coming in to eat takoyaki. And I just realized that these small balls of goodness would just have this effect on people. And everybody was so happy about it, mm. you know? So that's what um, drew me to 
cook it. And then what happened was I was there part time. And then we had uh, the general manager retired. And then the, the new the staff, the current staff decided to move on because there was a, you know, a gap, a management gap. And then people were worried about, you know, working. So I stayed along and uh, it was only myself and uh, my prep cook, Pablo. And I became the new general manager very quickly. <laughs> mm, right. So, yeah. So the listeners was not familiar with the Otaku. That uh, was founded in 2000 in right. uh, East Village uh, in New York. And that's like, who knew about takoyaki? And well, first time I, I knew about it, it was like, wow, takoyaki place? Is it the Japanese yeah. food? Is this becoming so popular now? It was very yeah. impressive. Yeah. So you were I, there as general manager from 2012 to 2013, right? Yeah, mid-2013, right before my birthday. And what happened was that I guess things kind of got lost in the process of new management when I took over. So we couldn't really figure out what our recipe was. There were, it, it was never logged down. And we noticed there was always some inconsistencies. So what I did was I started to find a, a new norm and I started researching. So we came up with a, a, a very a basic recipe, which was good. And I hired some new staff. And that was a whole new thing because I was running the show. And I think in the process of learning takoyaki, I think things got better. And then we had a new staff. I hired a, a whole assortment of college kids, uh, young and old, who loved takoyaki and they loved Japanese culture. Um, mm. And it was it was really it was a, it was such a fun time. You know, we had a, we had a nice mixed staff. You know, half half Asian, Filipino American, Japanese, Japanese American. It was it was great. It was like a it was like a party. And um, of course, being affiliated with the temple and then playing drums, and I even played some taiko drums. We did a lot of the mm. Obon festivals, the Matsuri festivals, and I wanted to have that vibe in the store constantly, twenty four seven, twenty four seven. Because my motto was, my motto at the time, my thinking was, happy boss equals happy staff, happy staff equals happy cooking, happy cooking equals equals happy customer. Mm. Yeah, happiness so, is contagious. That's really comes down from the top. Definitely, right? definitely. Yeah, and if if I wasn't in a good mood, I, I think it would. I think my my staff would absorb that. So, mm, right. That's the way I ran it. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's called culture. I think. So it can be. I any guess so. Scale from restaurant to country to anything. So, yeah. And then you launched Cosmos in January to 2015. So why did you decide to open? 2015. Um, why did you decide to open a takoyaki business of your own? Well, after, after near the end of my career at Otafuku, there was, a, there was a documentary that came out. And uh, the director's name was Chris Beerton. It was called Taco NY. Mm -hmm. um, so he made this documentary. And I had really had no idea what was going on with it because I was so busy running the show and taking care of my staff, putting the orders in, you know, cooking. And I was also running the temple at the same time, which was also the reason why I had to leave Otafuku because I was just so burned out. I was clocking like 90 hours, 80, 85 hours a week, uh, wow. between the temple and, the and, the and the restaurant. So you break, you know, you had a breakdown. Um, so the documentary came out and it was presented to this thing called the food film festival. And that's when I met Keizo <laughs> from Go Ramen. Yeah, yeah Keizo Shimamoto. Yeah, right. Keizo Shimamoto. He was, he was a good friend, real sweetheart. Right. He's the father of a ramen burger, 
Right. Ramen burger, so, and he's just uh, ramen uh, otaku. You know, he's just so crazy about ramen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He came to a show too. Yeah. He's awesome. So okay. So then. So so the documentary came out, and then they, they started traveling, flying me out to different cities, cooking takoyaki, which was crazy. They were showing the film in New York City, then they would show it in Chicago, then show it in Florida and um, South Carolina, I think. Um, and I didn't have a shop. I was already retired from the shop. I didn't have a shop. So after I got married in 2015, everybody was pushing me to open a business, open a business, open a shop. And I was really unsure about opening a brick and mortar because, you know, the obvious things of New York City with the rent, cost of ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. So I started small by just having a stand, a food stand. And then right when that happened, Queens Night Market opened up which is an international night market in uh, Corona Park in Flushing. And I believe I was the first applicant. <laughs> wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was the first applicant, I think. So um, I launched right there. And I remember when I launched, it, the line was like a two-hour line. Uh, it, it never ended. It was a sea of people. It was, it was really scary. So I launched, I launched that. And then little by little, I just, little by little, I... Um, want to get better and better. Actually, the first thing, now I think about it, when I first launched the business, I had the idea of not doing traditional takoyaki. <clears throat> okay. I had this idea of making these like pizza balls and chicken balls and anything kind of crazy, you know, um, bulgogi with cheese, things like that. And then I had this revelation thinking here, I was meditating it over, over about it in my apartment one day. And I was thinking, you know what, how strong is my original recipe? How would I serve? What would I, how would I feel if I didn't have a strong original recipe? How would it serve Japanese people and their culture? So mm. I really thought about that. It, it hit me hard. So I decided from that point on, as a Filipino American cooking Japanese food, how could I uh, be on level with the best shops in Japan? Mm, right. I, I thought about that. I, I thought about that the- long and hard. Right. And then if you have that foundation, you can do something else based on that. You can go to any direction. So, yeah, I'm so glad that you did it because you really now have been educating people with the classic, authentic, real takoyaki. Otherwise, it's just easy to get lost, right? Because it's such a a wheat flour based product, which we're going to discuss deeply in a moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was thinking about that long and hard. And from there, I just started translating stuff from Japanese into English using Google and YouTube. And I was finding every single video manual you could think of how to create everything from scratch with the dashi. Um, and then I would look at all these video clips of people cooking the different yatai shops in Japan. And I'll pick the ones which I thought were the coolest. And how would, how would I like to present myself cooking wise? I, I wanted to be like that guy. And then I guess me being good with my body, I was able to kind of ghost the cooking techniques, which is the same way I learned how to play drums, which is uh, I would watch videos or listen to music or watch people play and I would just mimic their movements until it became one. Mm. Same thing, I would watch the takoyaki videos and I would just sit there mimicking the wrist movements and everything down to a T. How do I want to stand? How do I want to present myself? Things like that, yeah. Mm. Wow, that's a very universal um, tip 
to apply to do anything, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm learning so much from you. What do you want to say? <laughs> yeah, it's mimicking. It's just almost like you don't have any ego and you just follow it. Oh, no, I got a lot of ego. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a matter of comparison. If you are egoistical, then what's going to happen, right? Um, anyway, so uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss uh, what takoyaki is and now um, how cow makes perfect ones. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the whale's natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. This episode is brought to you by Square. You might know Square from their little white card readers, but Square has a lot more tools that can help businesses, especially now that they're having to figure out how to safely reopen and make things work in this new normal. So many are stepping up to the challenge, like Fifth Hammer Brewing in Long Island City. To adapt, Fifth Hammer's co-owner, Mary Izette, created a Square online store so customers could browse available beers, build an order, and safely pick up cans from the taproom. I was able to set up our online store within 24 hours of moving to a to-go model. The Square online store allowed Fifth Hammer to keep beer production going, serve their local customers, and retain employees. It's also very easy to train your staff on. They will be able to receive, fulfill, and provide your customers with a contactless pickup in no time. If you're a business owner, Square wants you to know it has tools that can help you shift your business, like Fifth Hammer is doing. No matter if you're brewing beer, baking bread, or mixing to-go cocktails, you can start taking online orders in minutes with pickup and delivery. And if you're selling in person, Square can help you accept contactless payments. All these tools work together and they're all in one place. You just need a Square account to get started. See all the ways Square can help your business right now by visiting square.com slash go slash Japan. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akikotema, and my guest today is Carl Pama, who is the chef and owner of Carl's Balls in New York City. He cooks authentic takoyaki at various pop-up events. So now... Uh, let's talk about takoyaki. Uh, so what is takoyaki by definition? Yeah, it's, it's a hard definition, right? Because if you just look at takoyaki, tako means octopus, yaki means to grill. It can be also mean to fry or at least cook in oil. But it's not necessarily a fry. Like a fry would be you know, like a deep fry. So it's more like a grilled cooked with oil. Uh, the way I put it, the way I could describe it best is kind of like a cream puff, savory, with a piece of octopus inside. 
Mm. But it's a sphere. So the shape, whoever, uh, or listeners who haven't seen Takoyaki, oh, right. it's a small ball, right. right? Small balls. Yes. And then, yeah, it takes very short period of time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like magic, if you will, because you pour this batter on this pan with the spherical molds. And then you just see a flour-based batter, and we just, you see the cook through a bunch of stuff, and then through the mimicking of the pick, we were able to turn and flip it into shape, and it becomes a ball. It becomes a ball crepe.、Mm. It becomes a ball crepe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a mold that comes like ice cube、uh, molds. Yeah. Like the small size, but then, yeah, and it's like a very heat、um, sensitive. So you once you put the batter. You have to flip very quickly, but you cannot do it too fast because you have to cook inside. Right.、Uh, which is、uh, octopus. Right. So, right. And so, what's the, the batter made out the of? The typical batter will be your flour, your egg, and your dashi. Your dashi soup stock would be、mm. your, and it, it's proprietary towards each store, which is,、um, but I think the most typical dashi will be your katsubushi dashi. Your, your fish, bonito, bonito. flake, bonito、right. dashi.、Uh, mine, I use three types of fish、um, katsubushi, urume, which is sardine, saba, mackerel, and kombu. Right. So the dried, dried small fish, which is also, it's not known so well, but、uh, dried small fish is one of the most important ingredients for dashi. Yes. Right. But there's really no、yeah. rules. I mean, there's really no, it's pretty much you have to think of a soup stock, your flour, and your egg. Those are your three basic elements、mm. right there. And then it depend, depending on the store, and there are many of them, just like how pizza is in New York City, everybody has their little, little secret, their little ratios and things like that. But your essential,、right. your essential foundations is the, is the dashi, the flour, and the egg. And even those ratios can、mm. be completely different from store to store. Right.、Yeah. So、um, I heard originally、uh, Takoyaki was born in. Osaka in 1935. Yes, I think, yeah, nice. Who knows, but t o m o Tomokichi Endo, I think, Endo san, he made it. And、right. uh, there, there's a lot of variances on the or, or, origins of takoyaki, but I mean, some people said it came from、uh, Akashi, which is the Akashiyaki style, which is a heavily aced egg and starch based flour. I'm, starch, I'm sorry, egg and starch batter, not flour. And、mm. That's a different style. And then even people say it came from、uh, Choboyaki. Choboyaki, which is kind of, looks like a, kind of like a flour waffle, if you will.、Mm, wow. So, and then. So, yeah. So, so yeah.、Um, th- there's those variances from Akashiyaki, when Akashiyaki came around, and then to Radioyaki, which is Radioyaki,、um, which is the same thing as Takoyaki.、Uh, however, they use kon-、uh, konyaku and beef tendon. So.、Mm. That's a next level.、Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's like a very different ingredient. So, this is like the variations unlimited. But、uh, one thing, though, I heard、um, if you put shredded cabbage, ch- chopped cabbage or not, it's kind of like which, which direction you'd go to、uh, sh- for takoyaki. Shredded cabbage?、Style. I've seen shredded cabbage a lot in the Kyoto area. Kyoto, Kyoto、oh, and Kyoto、okay. area. So, I think it's like you have your various regional ways of cooking it. And、um, if you want to talk about the Kyoto, yeah, I see a lot of cabbage in that area. Osaka tends to be more of the slightly crisp on the outside with less oil and really 
wet and creamy on the inside, which can be perceived as undercooked <laughs> in the States. Mm, and the, Tok right. the Tokyo style with the famous sh shops like Gindako, those tend to be more of the age style, the fried oil style, where they, they add more oil in the end to the to the batter and it gets really super crispy which seems to be also very popular outside osaka mainly places like the philippines thailand uh, vietnam malaysia those places like that a lot of the muslim countries are really big in ta into takoyaki because it has fish and uh seafood there's no mm, pork interesting yeah. right so that's so the takoyaki is a lot of variations and also there's regional um characteristics personalities yeah, what I heard is uh, if you put cabbage, uh, it cooks quickly, yes. but the inside is, you know, like very uh, kind of solid. Mm. Like you said, I think your style of Osaka is like a fluffy, um, you know, inside it's creamy, kind of soft, and then it takes time longer, and you need the care. To yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I try to get, I push my flour content to up to the breaking point where it's very hard <laughs> to turn. It's very hard to turn where, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the way, that's where I put it. But I do adjust the recipe because uh, since I do, I cook outdoors, I have to look at the weather report the day before or the morning of to adjust my recipe to make it fit towards the outdoor elements from the humidity Whoa. and wow. how cold it is outside, things like that. So usually when I have my event outdoors, I'll bring an extra tub of flour to adjust the batter accordingly. Oh, wow. Right. So because it's so simple, the other elements become very important. Very. Such as temperature and humidity. And the wind. Right. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it really dries things out because it's windy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So the other important element is uh, the sauce. Oh. So takoyaki sauce. Right. It's this is the sauce independently called takoyaki sauce because it's so important. So, what is a takoyaki sauce made of in general? In general, although I know you have your. Own. I have my own, but takoyaki yeah, sauce is really simple. It's just a Worcestershire sauce, uh, minsuyu. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they eliminate the minsuyu, uh, ketchup, and then whatever type of seasoning you're going to add in, which you could be either use a, a brown sugar or some shops use molasses or honey. Uh, but it's a very mm. simple recipe. Very simple recipe. Uh, I can't tell you my sauce recipe. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I didn't ask you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but the sauce also, yeah, some people say like, you know, okonomiyaki sauce is also used and uh, like Worcestershire, Worcestershire right. sauce or soy. And it's just like oh, unlimited variations, I guess. But yeah, the listeners, you get the idea. It's kind of like a, a soy, sweet, salty and right. Delicious. I think if I think the cool thing about good sauce like that, it fits all those elements of salt, sweet, savory. Uh, what did I say? Salt, saltiness, sweetness, savory. Um, and there are lots of umami, umami because yeah. Worcester, uh, yeah, that's another big element. Right. And uh, so there, yeah, there's, um, so there's yeah. a lot. There's a Go lot ahead. going on. And when I created my sauce, I actually created it as a steak sauce. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I realized that because I was trying to make a sauce similar to A1. Because I mm. love A1 steak sauce, right? And people are probably the steak, the steak right. experts are going to hate me, right? <laughs> for eating sauce. <laughs> I, you know, I just wanted a sauce. And then I realized, hey, I'm going to put in the takoyaki and it tastes good with that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put on eggs. Well, it's good on that. I'm going to put on right. chicken and beef and pork. It's good on that. So 
right? Uh, my original goal. Yeah, that's that's the flavor umami goes well with. So yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. uh, so, <laughs> well, you said you learned how to make takoyaki uh, from videos and everything you could learn from. But yes. did you actually go to Japan and uh, train or? Yes, yes. How did you? Well, here, here's a kind of a an interesting story. When I uh, so. I was studying these videos uh, on YouTube, and I'd try to find this one cook. His name is Hiro. I'm not going to name his last name, but uh, the funny thing was that I would watch this guy cook, and I thought he was the coolest guy ever. He had this nice, you know, real strong personality behind the grill, completely in charge and in control of the fire, and everything with one hand. So I decided in 2000, 2016, it was either 2016 or 2017, I went to Japan, and I wanted to... to uh, study more so i made a list of all these stores i wanted to go to and including i would i would tell myself if i saw if i saw a takoyaki store on the street i'm going to immediately eat eat there <laughs> regard regardless <laughs> of who it was so in the span of two weeks i counted i counted about 22 maybe possibly 23 shops i ate in the span of two weeks wow and and okay. i would take mental and written notes of which ones i liked um and how I would be able to take those aspects, those characteristics, and and put it into my cooking here in the states. Mm. So, did you see a diversity of style out of the twenty-two places? Oh, you huge, huge diversity, huge! I had some amazing ones. I had some mediocre ones. I had some terrible ones. I <laughs> <laughs> give you. I had some terrible ones. I remember this this one guy. He was in front of the Asakusa Temple. And he had this little yatai, and he had this long line, long line. I was like, all right, this is going to be good. And I was watching him cook, and I got it, and it was just this really doughy mess. He made a lot of money, I think, mm. but <laughs> the takoyaki was definitely not good. Wow, so, that's interesting. Yeah. So just like anywhere, I guess, right? You could go somewhere. You might have the best food, the mediocre, and the, and, and the worst, you know? And it could mm. be the homeland. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny that because you went not just in Osaka but in Tokyo, Kyoto, yeah, Osaka. yeah, right, right, okay. So, uh, but did you start, or that's something you got planning to do, or what is that? The like actual sensei? Did you have any takoyaki? Oh yeah. So to- what happened was that um, I was following this chef, and I found out where his, his home store was. His home store was called uh, Takohachi, which is a chain in the in Osaka, they have many, and they have stores in uh, Tokyo too, in Ginza. So the, for the listeners for this podcast, if you're in Tokyo and you want a takoyaki place to go to, I would probably recommend Takohachi in Ginza. They're, they're very good. Wow. Yeah. Or uh, Fuku, Fukuyoshi is also mm. good. They're a, that's a family-based uh, takoyaki place in Tokyo. They're Meguro, uh, as well as um, another one called uh, uh, Gankodako. That's in uh, Gankodako. That's in Meguro as well. So... Oh, I'm sorry. Fukuyoshi is in Ginza as well. But anyway, okay. back to the to the the teacher. I was able to track him down. The second time I went to Japan, I went went to Takahashi and I asked about him, and he wasn't there. He retired. He moved on to another thing. So I was able to follow his historical path, and then I was able to find his own store, <laughs> which is in the business business wow. district of Osaka. And uh, I remember walking to the store. And then my friend, my friend was with me, and uh, 
my who is Japanese and my also my one of my cooks, and we were able just to sit down and talk with him, and I explained <laughs> to him everything about how I was mimicking his his cooking style from the states, and how I wanted to be as good as him. I don't think I'll be better than him, but um, and now he's my uh, my mentor. Wow,、yeah. he must be really surprised and honored. And he's、it? younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! And he's younger than me. The funny thing is that the the Topo、wow. NY video, which is the first documentary that I was I was in, the beginning opening credits, there's a a shot of him cooking, and I didn't know when I went back to look at that documentary, I found him in that movie. So it was it was almost、wow. like a, a meant to be type thing. So I I hope、mm. I hope to go back to Japan soon and and either cook at his store or just keep learning and keep improving. So. Right. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you can just do a co-event in New York City. And、uh, if he <laughs> wants to come over here, I will fly him over. He could he could stay with me, and、uh, I don't know. We cook cook side by side. That'll be a dream come true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then maybe you guys can join me on the show. Oh yeah.、Again. So oh, so <laughs> the name of his place is called Tepan Bar Mugi, M U G I. So、okay. if anyone wants to find him、okay. on Instagram and give him support, please do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's Teppanba Mugi M U G I,、yeah. like yeah, a, like like Mugi. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um. So um. Your uh. Well, it's we. I'm talking about before COVID nineteen. Sure. But um. So your takoyaki is very popular, and I had you. You saw like thousand takoyaki in eight hours or something like that at the pop up events. Yeah. And how how do you differentiate takoyaki from other Authentic takoyaki shops in the U.S. In the U.S., how do I differentiate? I think I think they're all slightly a little bit different.、Uh, but mine, I think I follow what I think and what I research is close to which 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 is close to my heart, you know. So, I mean,、uh, for example, like I cook on copper, and then the copper plates for me. Enables me to cook as fast as possible with the heat difference. With copper, you could adjust the heat very quickly. And what I wanted to do was be able to、mm. cook on a high heat as quickly as possible, so I could form a shape. When you cook on a really, really high heat, obviously there's some things that probably happen on the molecular level, but I'm able to cook the outside as quickly as possible. And then, gradually、right. during the cooking process, I shift it from a very, very high heat, and I finish as low as possible. And on the low heat, the medium to low heat, I'm able to cook the inside quickly.、Mm. So if I was able to do that with cast、yeah. iron, cast iron retains its heat, retains its its heat、uh, more than copper does. So with a copper grill, with a copper plate, I would tend to cook on the medium, medium heat. On a medium、mm. heat, because if I cooked it on too hot, it would retain that heat, and I would burn the next batch. Right.、Yeah. Mm. So it's not for just for Osaka style. Uh, copper plates are better. Yeah, I, I, my favorite、mm-hmm. shops mostly cook with copper, but I mean, there's other shops in Osaka that don't.、Um, I mean, there's yeah, there's it's all I guess it's all up to the the preference of the the shop, and each one is a, a little bit different. You know, even the da, even the dashi,、mm-hmm. the dashi is totally different. I'm I'm sure my dashi is different from、uh, Doko Demos and Shinsan's、uh, takoyaki in the East Village in Otaku. You know. So everybody's a little bit different.、Uh, Tanotasan in LA, same thing. He has a shop in LA, and I'd probably consider those one, two, three. Those four would be the big four in America. There's only four of us, I would think. 
that cooks, that cooks takoyaki. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, do I see again, see a lot of future in takoyaki and hopefully you're going to have more places to serve. Um, but the other thing about, um, you know, what, what do you do is that you get ingredients. I, I watched a video how you procure, <laughs> you know, get your octopus. Yeah. That was very impressive. Can you tell us about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's that's one of my uh, staples in my in my business is the octopus prep. One of the things I wanted to do, because I was a big fan of Japanese cooking and sushi in general, was I wanted to learn how to prepare really high quality octopus. So I started downloading uh, buying and translating the sushi, sushi manuals. Everything from um, uh, Jiro's shop in Tokyo. He has a book on how to prepare octopus. And I would read it. I would read it. And I would ask uh, a lot of friends, sushi friends in the city, like uh, Hideo-san from Ushiwakamaro. He helped me out a lot. Uh, Kazu-san from Blue Ribbon. He helped me out a lot. Uh, and then just a lot of practice. So one of my big staples for my restaurant, or at least my stand, is the octopus prep, which takes four days. The octopus itself, mm. the octopus itself comes from the waters of South Japan and north of Philippines. So you would find, and the processing facility, believe it or not, is in Manila, is in Philippines, which helps with the food costs. Mm. But uh, I'm lucky that I get my octopus directly from the importer instead of the distributor, which is the second chain. So I'm able to get it a little bit cheaper than everybody else, but the amount of work I have to put in uh, to make it equal to like octopus, like from Akashi, um, the premium octopus from West Africa, uh, Spain, I have to put a little bit more work to, to make it happen. So, so the process is, and if listeners want to know, this is kind of nerdy, but <laughs> the, octopus, the octopus comes in frozen, right? The octopus comes in frozen, mm -hmm. I defrost it. I defrost it at a you know refrigerated temperature, and then once it's fully defrosted and rid of the, the ice and things like that, I brine the octopus in seawater, not actual seawater, but mm -hmm. water that is equivalent to the salinity of the sea. I I figured this out from mm -hmm. a fishmonger. He said that most uh, if you de defrost it at the water that is the same salinity as the ocean it came from, it will naturally uh, relax the animal and release any extra mm. extra water or or additives in it so i good to know interesting so, and right. seawater could be anywhere from three to three point five percent salinity so mm -hmm. that is what that is about 30 grams or maybe 35 grams of salt per liter one liter of water so mm. what i do is i brine it for about eight hours It'll sit in that brine for about eight hours in the refrigerator, which usually like is an overnight thing. I'll usually do it overnight. So then that's day two. And then day three, I will rid it of the brine, wash it. So more, more of the additives or whatever that uh, is not as will come out. I'll wash it. And then, uh, then I would massage it for about anywhere from 15 to about 45 minutes, sometimes more. Wow. And, and, um, you know, you know, in a bowl. I don't use any salt. I don't use any, you could use salt if you want, but that tends to be a little bit more of a saltier octopus. Or you could use things like um, nuka flour. What's it, what's it? Nuka flour, mm -hmm. what that's right? Rice bran. Uh, right, rice rice bran. bran. So I use rice bran if I'm massaging like uh, mizudako, because I did, I did do a pop-up event for the weekend using a 25 pound octopus 
I, I broke that down. Right. So this by massaging it rice bran, you you make the texture outside kind of a finer and the inside softer. Yeah, you're pulling out that, that slime. That slime. I'm not sure if that's actual mucus. I'm not sure, but you're taking off a, a slightly layer of the octopus to to make it easier to cook, and you're all, you're also removing water, removing water content. So the whole purpose for me is to remove the water content outside of the taco. And that takes anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes of pure strength of pushing it and kneading the octopus in a bowl. Mm, that's why you are <laughs> using your muscles as a bodybuilder. The heavy weights helped, you know, my work and right. playing drums too, because I showed this to other people <laughs> and they say, hey, Carl, I can't do it because my, my arm gets so tired. And I, I had strong arms to begin with, so that helped me for this business. I don't know. It's like a path of just oh, the path to the word It's mutual, right? <laughs> yeah, but if you um, – well, drums require strong arms right. too, so octopus is helping right. and it's vice versa. So, so, um, but so the as a result, if you reduce that water content of the octopus, right. then when you cook it, it's, uh, it's easier to cook. Very much easier. To – very, right. very much easier. Wow. It's just so I'm able to, with the long process of the massage, the, the boiling time gets a lot shorter. And what I, what I wanted to mm-hmm. do was prepare sushi-grade octopus for what we call what, uh, B-class gourmet in Japan. So, so, <laughs> yeah, B-class yeah, gourmet. So, <laughs> so my goal was, it was a crazy goal, but I wanted to prepare the octopus in a way that it gets cooked once, and then when it gets into the batter, it gets, it gets cooked twice. So... And I always hated super chewy octopus, like really overcooked octopus. So what I did was, mm. what I was able to do is to prep it and boil it in the way where I know it's going to be double boiled in the second. And, in a, and then with that timing and that cooking time, it will come out just right. Right. So fluffy. Fluffy. And then butter stays creamy. So that goes well. Without octopus being just chewy right. and then fluffy butter, it doesn't make sense. So... Sounds perfect, yeah. and I can't wait to taste <laughs> <laughs> your octopus when it's well, my, ready. My initial goal, um, my initial thing to do was to come on your show, visit you in Brooklyn, and secretly surprise you with, A, your book that I bought, A Complete Guide to Japanese Cuisine. <laughs> and, thank you, thank you. And, and B, what I wanted to do was surprise you and bring a grill and cook takoyaki at the same time while we were doing the show. <laughs> that was, that was going to be my... Uh, we call them Buddhism, my dana. <laughs> okay, well, it's gonna have, we're gonna make an episode two of Carl Thomas, so let's let's make it happen. Uh, totally down with it. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I am sure we can't say anything right now, but hopefully, you can do another, you know, more pop ups after everything's kind of calm down. I really hope so. And then, I really hope so. Right. Yeah. Right. So, because you cooked at uh, many different uh, cool places like a Japan Fest yeah. and Queen's Night Market. But so, yeah, I hope it's going to happen soon. So, right now, um, so what are you working on? What am I working on? Um, well, I'm selling my sauce. I converted my home kitchen into a complete shipping factory. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm selling my sauce online. It's on my website. And I'm donating uh, a percentage of the sales, which will be on my birthday. Which is was it? Whoa, a couple of days. Oh, tomorrow. July first. Right? Only two. Uh, so, so what I yeah. wanted to do was donate a portion of the sales towards uh, the Brooklyn NAACP, 
And I'm also creating an instant takoyaki kit uh, with a very simple, simple recipe. As the instant flour in there, all you need to do is just add water and egg, and you just mix it all up. And there's your simple batter. And it also comes with、uh, some savory liquids like、uh, shirodashi, uzukuchoyu, mirin, cooking sake. And also my fish flake.、Oh. I have a, a proprietary blend of fish flake. I was able to work with a, a, a katsu company, katsubushi company in Kyoto, and they send me a, a grade that is just for my stand. So, I'm also including that in the kit along with the tempera bits and the aonori、uh, and a bottle of sauce. So, you get the, the instant flour, small bottle of my sauce,、uh, tempera bits, aonori, a bag、yeah. of fish flake, which is my own bag. You can't get it anywhere else. Right. I'm looking at、uh, the website and it's called Bowls. It's called C K A R S. B A L L S. It's, it's, it's not C, it's a K A L S. But then, <laughs> well, buy stuff. Yeah, the buy stuff. Very yeah, the website is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you, are, you are a super bodybuilder.、Um, yeah, the ball man, ball man logo. Yeah. So、yeah, the, the website is crazy.、Yeah. When people go on the website, they, they say, like, What's wrong with your website? It's so cluttered and. It looks like something from the early 90s from、uh, GeoCities or Angel Fire or something like that. And I said, Yeah, exactly. That's the way I wanted to make the I wanted to make my, st- my website kind of confusing, just really quirky. you know? And that's, you know, of course, everybody's going to listen to this podcast and go, This guy's business name is Carl's Balls. It's kind of nuts, right? Yeah. And I, <laughs> yes, it is. I, I mean, everything was really tongue in cheek. And believe it or not, I didn't come up with that name.、Uh, all these other chefs, I would do these cooking events. At these places, and they were saying, What the heck is that guy cooking? He's like, Oh, I know the chef's name is Carl, and he cooks these ball things. So, Carl's balls, like he has the best balls in, in the nation, or something. They would, they, that was the running joke everywhere I would cook at these events because nobody would remember takoyaki. They would just remember Carl, Carl and balls. <laughs> so, when I launched the business, I said, You know what? I need something really catchy for people to get it. And I'm not,、mm. I'm not gonna, you know, name it like, You know, I want, as, as I wanted to name it something like Octopus Power or something like that in, in Japanese,、uh, which was my original idea, my friends were like, dude, just name it Carl's Balls, man. Were, nobody's going to forget that. And I was like, that's a stupid <laughs> name, though. It's so stupid.、Right. Well, it's going to be like,、uh, you know, the cotton bars with Q tips. It's going to be、uh, Carl's Balls instead of. The name is very stupid, and I、so. apologize if anybody gets offended, offended over it, but the cooking I take 200% seriously. And my end goal with this whole、oh, thing、yeah. is, is、uh, my, 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 my goal with this was just to provide happiness and a sense of comfort for anybody that wanted to try the food. I think all chefs want that, you know? Because if you don't understand Japanese culture, if you don't understand Asian culture, if you don't understand any culture, we could really learn about each other without even talking through food. Music and dance. Right? Right. And that's what I wanted that to bring.、Cool、that's what I wanted to bring with this stand. And of course, the funny, you know, everybody, everybody, every, every family has their funny uncle with a, you know, pull my finger joke or something like that. You know, a little, <laughs> little bit, you know, slightly, slightly off. And, you know, maybe,、uh, you know, we always had that funny member in our family. And I always wanted just to have that in the stand too. Just a lot of fun.、Uh, the ball man. 
logo, that muscle muscle man is kind of like, I said, what would Buddha Buddha look like if he did a ton of steroids? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, that is so, true. So, yes. Yeah, he doesn't have a. Yeah, so I made that. So I had my my cousin. He drew that logo. He's a cartoonist down in Arizona, so I had him draw. Oh, I had wow. him come up with that crazy logo, and I said, "Oh, that's perfect." He has the Mona Lisa smile too. The, the ball man has the Mona Lisa mm. smile. So that is so true. Yeah, I'm just looking at the website. That is so. So listeners, you definitely should check out carlsbolts.com. Uh, it's K R S B A L L S dot com. Yes. Yeah. Um, so and I also I heard you are helping uh, your church, yeah, yeah. right, to reopen. Yeah. So you have a lot of things going, but uh, keep your balls. Flying. Yeah, I keep it rolling, and yeah, the church, yeah, the church is the temple is closed right now. We are, our congregation is very old, most of them in their late sixties or seventies, and I'm in charge of cleaning and sanitizing the building and getting it ready for whenever it opens up. So I always clean and sanitize this place as being the building manager, but never with the thought of life and death being a consequence of right. of it not being ready. So it's a lot of responsibility and I care about everybody here. If it wasn't for the people here in this temple, I wouldn't be on this radio, this, this podcast. Mm. So that's how I think of it. And um, I, I don't want anybody to get sick or possibly pass away on, on my shift. Yeah. Mm, right. I would feel 100% comfortable going to the church. So, yeah, but good luck and don't work too hard. Right. And uh, yeah, come back. I will. I will. Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today, Carl. All right, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritagevillainetwork.org or akikotema.com. Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays. Um, well, lately, kind of, uh, we have some time to edit, but oh, it's always available at the Heritage Radio Network.org, iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization. Driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.